Before we begin today's episode, just a quick programming note. Regular listeners to our podcast might have noticed that we're releasing a week earlier than usual. Uh, That is because we're switching to a weekly release for our podcast for the next couple of weeks. This is to bring you the Muskegon history that you love without you having to leave your home. So hopefully you enjoy. And now on to our episode. Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. My name is Pat Horn. On today's episode, we are going to be looking at a building that was one of the icons of Muskegon. For the younger podcast audience, you might not be aware of its existence, but for those lifelong or long-time Muskegon residents, you will for sure have a memory of this large structure that dominated downtown. On today's episode, we look at the beginning and the end of the Occidental Hotel. What would be one of the largest structures in Muskegon even today had a very simple start. The Occidental Hotel began like many buildings in early Muskegon, as a boarding house for sawmill workers. The original house was a two-story house owned by Edward Boyce, located on Clay and 3rd Street. Boyce ran the boarding house until 1864, when lumber baron Lyman Mason purchased it. Mason added a third story to the building and called it the Hamilton House. This hotel-slash-boarding house was ultimately unsuccessful and closed in six months' time. It was closed for three years for a major remodel, and once finished, Nathaniel Barney and his wife, Hannah, were hired by Mason to run it. When Barney opened the hotel back up on July 18, 1868, it was under a new name. Now called the Occidental, this hotel would serve guests to Muskegon under this name for the next 100 years. The hotel opened with 25 rooms, but an 1870 expansion added more space to the hotel, this time along 3rd Street. At this point, Barney also bought the hotel from Mason. In the 70s, a balcony would be added to the upper stories. The hotel was quite a feature of downtown and was also a local gathering place. Located near many sawmills, it became the gathering spot for dock wallopers who waited there for new ships to come into port so they could offload supplies and load up timber. Business was good for the Barneys and the hotel, and another expansion took place in 1885, adding a three-story building along the Western Avenue side of the hotel. This allowed for not only more rooms, but also gave space to include entertainment, a bar, and other businesses or services inside the hotel, something that would be a fixture of the Occidental for many years. In 1888, the hotel included a barber shop, a billiards room, and rooms dedicated to reading and writing. By 1892, the hotel's wooden structure was completely replaced with brick and sandstone. In 1905, the second change of ownership came when Miss Barney and her son sold the hotel and all of its furnishings to Charles Schoenberg, a meat market owner, for $75,000. Schoenberg owned the hotel for a few years before he sold it to the hotel's manager and Edward Sweet in 1909. At this time, the hotel had 110 rooms. Sweet would continue to manage the hotel for much of the remainder of its lifespan. One of the additions Sweet made was to create a space in the basement called the Occidental Club. This indeed would become a popular place for residents and visitors alike, with four bowling lanes and Turkish baths. A candy shop would also open up in 1915 to appeal to the sweet tooths of the community. In 1922, this candy shop changed ownership and Peter Ballas would run it for the next 46 years and made many of the famous Occidental Hotel Sundays. Under Sweet, the hotel grew to its maximum height of eight stories. He also led a million-dollar project for a complete overhaul, opening up the hotel for ownership with stock. The overhaul included purchasing new furnishings for all 157 rooms at the time. Furnishings were found from a bankrupt hotel that was in Chicago. 
the transfer of this furniture took four days and included 20 moving trucks to accomplish. While growth and expansion had been the norm for the hotel, a huge setback occurred on March 4, 1936, when a large fire destroyed the original building section of the hotel. Damage was estimated at $300,000. But even though it was during the Great Depression, the hotel was doing well, and thus that section was rebuilt with more rooms included. Upon completion, the hotel housed some 270 rooms. In 1968, the hotel celebrated its 100th year anniversary as the Occidental. However, this celebration was muted. By this time, the hotel was in need of many upgrades and repairs that would have been extremely costly. On December 21, 1970, the Occidental Hotel closed down for business. Once closed, the hotel sat vacant through various legal proceedings until in March of 1975, the city acquired the hotel through condemnation. Once in possession of the city, the process began for the demolition of the hotel. This was finalized on April 13, 1975, when the hotel was imploded. At 12.42 p.m., the explosives were detonated, and the hotel collapsed in on itself. Word of the looming destruction had gotten out, and a large audience had gathered in Hackley Park to watch the proceedings and give the hotel a send-off. Prior to its demolition, the Occidental Hotel had been the go-to hotel in downtown Muskegon. It had served lumber barons such as Charles Hackley, and it hosted politicians like JFK and Richard Nixon. The most important visitor, though, were the local residents who came for the dances and dinners, to get their hair cut, to do a little shopping, and of course for a nice hot fudge sundae. The hotel also served as home for many Muskegonites who ended up living in the hotel. If you have a memory of the Occidental Hotel or a story that's been passed down to you, please leave it in the comments below and help us add to the story of the Occidental. I would like to offer special thanks on this episode to Jeff Bessinger, the museum's archivist, and Aaron Schmitz, program manager of the historic sites, for sharing their research on the topic. Thank you for listening to Muskegon History and Beyond.